Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So let's jump into what we're talking about today. We are beginning a brand new series called Running with the Giants. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but let me just make it clear to you today that I am not a runner. I don't know if by looking at me, you thought, man, that's a one fine looking specimen. The aerodynamics are perfect in that frame as a runner. But if you were thinking that, you would be wrong. I am not a runner. I don't like to run. It is not my thing. I've never, in fact, if I do try to run, I'm so clumsy that my feet kind of get caught up and I wind up biting it big. Like I'll just fall down flat. It's the funniest thing that you've ever seen. I don't run. My pastor, the church I came from, he talks about, he's a runner, and he talks about running all the time. And I come up to him and tell him, you know, every time you talk about running in your sermons, do you know what I do? I check out, because I'm not a runner. I come across verses in the Bible that talk about being a runner, running your race. And you know what I do? I check out. You know why? Because I'm not a runner. So this series, what we're going to do is talk about running. We're, we're going to spend some time talking about running because what I did a couple years ago is I ran my very first 5K. Now, I had friends and family that thought this would be a great idea to talk me into doing it. I didn't like the idea of doing it, but I said, I'll take the challenge. Why not? You know, let's just do this. And so one of my buddies, uh, Adam, who is, Adam Todd is his name, and he, uh, he, he said, Aaron, listen, he said, if you do this, he said, I'll go out and I'll run with you. Now, the reason this was important to me is because Adam is a runner. He's run many 5Ks. He's run, he's run marathons, and, and he, he does long distance for fun. There's some crazy people in this world to do that stuff, you know? And Adam runs for fun. And, uh, and, and so he said, I'll go and I'll run with you. And I thought, well, that'd be really nice of you because, man, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he's like, you can do it. So 5K, that's like 10 miles, right? Anyway, so <laughs> that's what it, probably what it felt like. And running with Adam was incredible because when I ran with Adam, Adam knew all the mental roadblocks that you're going to come up against because, you know, there's roadblocks that, that are, start in your mind before you even begin the race. Come on, somebody. Are you listening to me? Anybody identify with that? There, there's stuff that just, just, you're just like, man, I don't even want to get started because all this is going to happen and I don't know what's going to happen out there. And he starts talking to me. He knew him. And he's like, this is what's going to happen to you out of here. This is what you can expect. About this time, you're going to hit a mental wall. This is what's going to happen here. This is what we're going to do here. And I'm going to push you a little harder here. Like, he set me up for the whole race for success. And Adam decided, and he's running with me. So as we're running, man, he was right. We hit those walls. And man, he, I was ready to give up at, at certain parts of the race. And he's like, come on, let's just push past this little ridge. Let's just push past this little loop. All right, Adam, I'll run with him. And then when I slowed down, he didn't shame me. He just, he well, slowed down. I mean, walked, okay? Um, he didn't shame me. He just said, that's all right. He said, catch your breath. Come on. He said, when we get up to that point, we're going to start running again, okay? All right, all right. He said, this is what you're hitting. He knew. He'd been there. He knew what it was like to just start a race for the very first time. And he was willing to mentor me and coach me. Running with a coach was incredible. And I think that's what we need oftentimes in our lives. We need to run our journeys 
with a coach in our lives. We need somebody to come alongside of us who's been there, who knows what it's like, who knows what's going to happen around the bend, who's dealt with what's happened around the bend, who's been successful on the other side. Somebody that can encourage you and, and lift you up and say, come on, you can do it. Because that's what Adam did for me. And I think especially, specifically on our spiritual journeys, we, we need that. Some of you say, I'm not on a spiritual journey. Yes, you are. Every single person in this room is on a spiritual journey. You're, you're all on one. Whether, whether you're far down your journey or still just standing at the starting line wondering whether or not you want to be a part of it, you're on a spiritual journey. Because I realize across this room, and we celebrate this, we love it, and I realize watching my Facebook, there's a there's ton of people that aren't even sure what to do with Jesus. You, you, you don't know if you believe in him or not. You're just here checking out what he said. Maybe a friend brought you here today and said, if you come to church with me, I'll buy you lunch today. I taught them to do that. That's why they did that to you today, okay? Just know that. But, but if they, well, no matter why you're here, we're happy that you're here. We're, we're, we're glad for it. And we realize you're welcome. You're welcome. You can be a part of what we're doing here before you even believe. We're okay with that. Then there's others of you, you're brand new to this spiritual journey, and you've been running this race a little bit. Others of you, you've been running it a long time. You're very familiar with what your spiritual journey looks like. You're growing, and you're progressing in your relationship with God, and it's awesome. But no matter where you're at, we're all running that spiritual race, and we all need some help. One of my favorite books to give to brand new believers is a book called The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordiero. And in his book, he talks about the idea of allowing the characters from the Bible to mentor us, because they were, they, were, they were heroes of the faith. They were giants, as we're calling them in this series. They were giants of faith, and they've been where we're at. And they have, they have experienced what we have not experienced. And they can speak to us through the choices that they made in their lives. And so let, allow them to mentor us is, is really, really important. So that's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to look at their lives and consider how did they do it. We're going to allow them to come alongside us, <coughs> and run this journey with us. And so once a week, we're going to take a look at somebody's life, and we're going to discuss their life and what they would say to us today. How would they encourage us in our race and in our journeys today where we're at? And two things I know that you'll get through this series. One is you're going to be encouraged. Every Sunday, I know you're going to be encouraged. And two, you're going to learn your Bibles a little better. That, that's awesome, because you're going to learn stories that you've heard probably a hundred times, some of you, others of you for the first time, but you're going to learn your Bibles a little bit better because I hope to bring something maybe that you didn't know before. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to jump into uh, our, very first, our very first giant, and we're going to look at the prophet Isaiah. Now, the prophet Isaiah was one of the most popular prophets, probably because his book was the largest. He has 66 chapters in his book. It's found in the Old Testament. And uh, he was a prophet who uh, it was said of him that he clearly saw a picture of Jesus. In fact, John in the New Testament said that about Isaiah, is that he saw the glory of the Lord, which, again, this is the picture of Jesus. Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus was ever crucified, saw the crucifixion. God gave him a vision and a dream, and he saw it happen. And so this is possibly why he was, he was uh, so popular. And, and a prophet... Let me tell you a little bit about their role in case you're new to all this and to, this, to the Bible and what they mean. A prophet is someone who helps you to see clearly. In fact, during their time, they, they, sometimes they were called prophets. Other times they were called seers. 
They were called seers because they would help the people to see clearly. God would speak to the prophet and say, my people are having difficulty in this area of their life and they're not seeing clearly, so I need you to step up onto the scene and I need you to say this. And by the words that you say, it will help them to see clearly. And so my goal today, as we look at the life of Isaiah, is to have him help us see our spiritual journeys a little clearer. Um, the theme verse that, I, that has been picked out here uh, of all the 66 chapters, uh, it, it summarizes what I think Isaiah would say to us. It is Isaiah 30, verse 21. He says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, and what he's saying here is that in your life, you're going to make decisions. There are going to be good decisions. There are going to be bad decisions. There's going to be the road less traveled. It's going to be the one everybody else has done. It doesn't really matter what you've done in your life or where you've gone in your life. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. What is Isaiah saying to us? That no matter what you've done, God is looking to speak to you. God is looking to speak to your heart because he loves you. He's looking to talk to you. He wants you to hear his voice today. And some of you are here today, you're like, you know, I've never heard God's voice before, Aaron. I don't, I don't even know what that sounds like. Well, I've done messages in the past. You can look them up on, our, on our, our, our Simple Church app, and you can listen to all the different ways that God speaks to us. But I'm going to help you today understand some ways that you can hear God's voice through, through the words of Isaiah. That's, that's what I want for you. And specifically, I know that, that about this subject, you guys have a lot of questions, you have a lot of, 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 of wonderings about hearing God's voice and what do we do and questions about faith in general. And I think Isaiah, Isaiah answers some questions. Specifically, Isaiah will speak to uh, this question when you're trying to make sense of it all. He, he says, hey, listen, if you're lost and you're confused in your spiritual journey, whether you even want to take it or whether you're on it, it doesn't matter. He says, here's what he would say. He would tell you that an encounter with God changes everything. An encounter with God changes everything. Now, most of you here today have encountered a church. Hello. You, the church is God's people. You've encountered God's people, but you haven't encountered God himself. Now, you need to know, I didn't start this church so that I could have a clubhouse and have specific members that were following after Aaron. I didn't do that. I, I started this church so that you could encounter God. That, that, that's my goal. I'm just a tour guide here. I want to introduce you to him. I'm not trying to add to the membership of Simple Church. I'm trying to add to the membership at the King's Table in heaven. Amen? That's what I'm here for. So I, I'm just a tour guide. And many of you want that, but you don't know how to go about getting it. Or maybe you've been going about hearing God's voice all, all wrong. And so if you want to encounter God, you need to know that you can. And if you'd like to have the clarity of a seer in your life or a prophet... You can. Isaiah tells us how. He says this, this God encounter should look like this. The first, the first thing we're going to pull out of what he shares with us is that our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. Our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. God usually reserves those times that we are hurting the most to speak to us the most. Many of you know that's true. The times when you are in pain is the times when God will speak to you the most. Why is that important? Well, because most people's reaction to pain is to run from God, isn't it? 
We, we run from, why would you let this happen to me? We shake our fists in anger and we turn our back on God and we turn to other things to, to ease that pain. We don't go to him. And if you're in pain today, right now, whether it's because of decisions that you made or because it's just the way life is playing out for you or somebody did something to you or whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, relational, financial, career pain, whatever kind of pain you're in today, I need you to know you shouldn't turn from God, but you should turn to him. And here's the deal. You don't need to delay. You don't need to wait until you fix your life up. God wants you to come just as you are. He wants you to encounter him. That's why that sign on the front of our door says, come as you are, because we mean it. We want you to come as you are. God's not looking for you to fix yourself up before you come to him. Just come on. Bring your broken, bring your hurting, bring your lost. That's who God wants. Come on. Just come to him first. Isaiah says this in chapter 6. He says, in the year the King Uzziah died, which, by the way, if you look at your history, just a quick history lesson, King Uzziah started out as a really good king. He was following the Lord, but he kind of he went bad in his decisions later on in his reign. And so things in Israel were going really bad. In other words, this was a very dark time, kind of like the dark time maybe that you're going through right now. This was a dark time for the people of Israel. And Isaiah's identifying that. He says, I saw the Lord. Why did he see the Lord? Because he was looking for him. He says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim. That's a fancy word for angels. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. And Isaiah is making reference to the, ver- the fact that the very foundation of his life was being shook at that moment. He said, and the temple was filled with smoke. Everything inside Isaiah is being shaken in this moment. He's in the darkest time of his life. And yet he's looking for God. He's not running from him. He's in his temple. He went to church. Some of y'all get in pain and you did last, the first thing you cut out is church. I ain't going. I don't feel like it today. Come on, anybody. Let's, let's be real. Anybody there been there before? I know I've been there. I, I, I'm dealing with some stuff. I don't want to go to church. But he's in the temple. He's looking for God. And what is he telling us? He's telling us that the darkest times in your life don't turn from God. And one of the darkest times in my life, when I was younger, I, I, I was offended by somebody in my life. And you know what I did? I ran. I told God, I don't want anything to do with you or your people. And I ran. And what happened? My world got darker. Because what did I do? I tried to mask the pain. I tried to self-medicate through through sex and relationships and alcohol. And I, I never went the path of drugs, but so many people do that. And pornography and hobbies and all these things. I tried it all, watching TV, binging on video games. I did it all to mask the pain. And really what I should have done was run to him and shared that pain with him and said, hey, I'm hurting. Would you help me? It would have been much better and I wouldn't have lost seven years of my life to addiction and brokenness. Foundations and doorposts of my life have been shaking lately. And I feel it. And I've learned that when that happens, temptation comes knocking. Hello? Come on, let me in. You could take a drink. You could go look at some porn. You could go do this. You, you, you know you just want to escape it all. 
I've bowed my head in prayer and said, God, I don't want any of those things. They end in death. I want you. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. Because in those times of pain is when God will speak the most. If you're willing to seek him. Are we willing to listen? When we face tough things, do we run from God or do we run to God? You know, the Bible tells us that our faith is supposed to be childlike. Do you know where it happens when a child hurts themselves? Any parents out there? Where does a child go when they hurt themselves? To mom and dad, that's right. They run with their hands up, bloody or whatever, doesn't matter, run into mom and dad for them to pick them up and hold them. This is the faith we're supposed to have when we're experiencing pain. Don't run from God, run to God. If you want to hear his voice, if you want to have clarity in your life, you need to run to him in the middle of your pain. The second thing, once we encounter God, here's what's next. When we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. We see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. Because here's what happens. When you encounter God, he begins to reveal those deepest parts of your life. The deepest pains, the deepest issues in your life. He'll, he'll reveal them to you. He's still, he'll put his finger on them and speak to you about it. And God wants to deal with those things. And most of you are like, well, Aaron, I like the idea of heaven. And uh, I do like coming to this church. But if you all just leave me alone, that'd be great. Thanks. I really don't want God to deal with the issues in my life. We, we push back on that. We, we don't want that kind of stuff. But if you encounter God and you allow him to show you who you clearly are, there's health and there's life on the other side of that. If we're just willing to look at it. Isaiah says this, he said in verse 5, Woe to me, this is after he's encountered God, right? So the glory's filled the temple and the angels are saying, holy, holy, all right, you got the picture. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. What's happening? He's seeing himself. He's seeing that, that, that he's a man of unclean lips. And he goes on and he says, and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. God is revealing to him who he is. Not only who God is, but who Isaiah is. He's getting a clear picture of himself. He encountered God and saw himself clearly. And God wants to do the same with you. He wants you to encounter who he is and he wants to show you who you are to help you. And look, this is, this is why we create environments here because uh, through our grow groups. We create environments where you get some deep relationships with people so that when God begins to put his hand on something in your life, you have the trust in that relationship with somebody to share and say, you know what, God's really been dealing with me about this. Why would you do that? Because they've been there. Maybe they've been there with you. Maybe they've gone through it, or maybe they're going through it now. And you would share with them, and they would offer you encouragement. They would offer prayer. They would offer accountability. Maybe they'd offer you advice and wisdom. But, but, but our grow groups offer that. You get in there, and you get into a relationship with somebody, and you feel free to share what God is working on in your life. And this is when God uses that time to heal you. I've, I've done so many different grow groups. I, I can't even remember them all. Last year, I did a sexual purity group for guys, and, uh, and we met every week. And these group of guys came in, and it was funny because, you know, they're in a sexual purity group, which means they're already struggling with that. But they, they'd show up in the meeting, and I'd give them an opportunity to talk. And I'd say, hey, how's everything going? How was your week going? And the guys were like, fine, everything's good. You know, wife's good, kid's good, everything's good. But about the third or fourth week, they got in there, and after having spent time with the people and getting to know everybody, buddy, they'd unleash the gates. 
They'd unleash the gates and they'd say, all right, here's the truth of my situation. I'm about to lose my marriage. I'm about to lose my kids, my house, my whole world is turned upside down. They'd start crying. Why? Because they built relationship and felt safe to share what God was already dealing with them on the inside. And they'd open up. I got an email from one of them just this past week. He said, listen, I want you to know. He said, I've had this much, much sober time or, or, or time pure. He said, I've been this pure this long. And he said, I want you to know I'm working with somebody now and, and we're doing this. And he said, I'm growing here and growing there. And he said, I just wanted to thank you for creating that environment. See, it's not that God wants to embarrass you. He wants health for you. He desires greater things for you. So when you encounter God... He wants to show you the deepest parts of your life so you can share with other people. So what about you? Why are you stuck in your spiritual journey? It's because you aren't allowing God to touch your deepest pain. Get in a group. He'll help you with that. And Isaiah teaches us this. Encounter God and let him show us ourselves clearly. And then the next step in that journey is to allow God to remove our past so he can redeem our future. If you're stuck in your spiritual journey, one of the reasons may be because you have not gotten past your past. You've not let God deal with it yet. You've not let him settle it. And what you need to do, the best thing you can do with your past is to get over it. Just, just be done with it. Put it to rest. Nail it to the cross of Calvary. Those of you that have been saved for a long time, right? I'm going to use some church words. You know what that means. Be done with it. Just, just stop it. If you get past your past, then God can reveal your redemption. Don't know what redemption is? It's where God takes your mess and turns it into your message. But you got to get past that mess in order for it to be a message in the first place. Some of you are just stuck in your mess and you're in that cycle. You're just stuck there because you won't let God settle it. Some of you come to, won't, have, haven't wanted to come to church in a long time. Maybe that's some of you watching my Facebook because you think when you come to church that, that all God wants to do is put his finger on your sin and tell you what a horrible person you are and hit you with a lightning bolt, right? How many of y'all thought that before you started coming to church, that God just was mad at you? Anybody? And you think that and you're like, God, God, God just hates me because of all the things I've done. You know the truth is God loves you. God doesn't even want to talk about your past because when Jesus was hanging up on the cross, he said it is finished and he died. The price was paid, the penalty done. God's not even concerned about your past anymore. All he wants to talk about is your future. But you just sitting there holding on to your past. Well, you just don't know the things that I've done. I don't care about the things that you've done. God doesn't care. I love you. He loves you. He wants to settle your past. And I know nobody's ever told you that, right? That, that you've got a future, that you've got a destiny, that God wants to do something with you. He wants to make that mess into a message. People don't tell you that. And you think church is all about being beat over the head, and it's not. God doesn't want that for you. He wants to redeem all the choices you've made in your life and use them to bless other people and you. That's the truth. Back to Isaiah, verse 6, he says, Then one of the seraphim, or the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And you need to know that the altar is the place where sacrifice was made and blood was shed so that sins could be forgiven. Right? So he, and our altar is the cross of Christ. Uh, and so he, he grabs a live coal from the altar, and he says, With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. 
You know the reason you haven't encountered God in your life? And why, it doesn't, why your life isn't making sense right now? It's because you still haven't let God settle your yesterdays. You're still seeing your life through your yesterdays. You need to let him deal with it. But Jesus paid the price to forgive and settle your sins. Now why is he doing that? Is there a motivation behind it? Absolutely. Here's what Isaiah continues to say. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? In other words, he's got something he needs somebody to do. He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah standing there, he said, here I am, Lord, send me. Right? Send me. The guy who just said, I'm, I'm of unclean lips. And I dwell among people that I got unclean lips too. In other words, I'm a bad dude and I hang out with bad people. But God's like, nope, I'm going to settle that mess and I need to send somebody who wants to go. Who wants to go? And I feel like Isaiah might have been the only person in the room, so it was a little bit awkward. Like, <laughs> and the angels were like, nope, we've been on a thousand errands. It's your turn. You go. Do you know, God will never force you to follow him. He always invites you. He's like, who am I going to send? If you want to encounter God when you're in pain, run to him, not from him. And when you get to him, you need to know that he's going to reveal the deepest parts of your heart and your life. And you need to allow him. And then you need to let him settle your past. You need to let him deal with that. Be all done with it. Because you'll never experience the best parts of God's life until you are connected with God's purpose for you. Oh, that was good. And that's all right if you don't amen. That's okay. I'm all right. I know it's good. I'm up here. Amen. Got a little, little Pentecostal jive going on this morning. That's good. You're never going to connect to the best part of God's life until you connect with his purpose for your life. That, that, that it just won't happen. And let me tell you something. That purpose will always involve making a difference in someone else's life. It will always involve that. So before we finish this lap with Isaiah, let me give you just three final encouragements from Isaiah, and then we'll close. The first encouragement we'll find elsewhere in, in the book of Isaiah is that God wants to reveal more of himself to you. If he was standing here today saying, I'm just going to give you one last encouragement before I walk off and drop the mic, you need to know that God wants to reveal more of himself to you. There's always more of him to experience. The Bible describes God in heaven, the Shekinah glory. That's the physical manifest presence, the thing that you can see of God because he's spirit. You can't see him. But there's a presence in heaven that the angels have been flying around since eternity past. Try to wrap your brain, your brain around that. It's kind of nuts, right? Makes me dizzy. But they've been flying around him since eternity and it says every time they make a revolution of who he is, they see more of him. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy. Look, if they've been flying around him for eternity and they're still seeing new parts of him, that means there's more for us. There's more for us to learn. There's more for us to see. We can't know all of God. There's more. If you ever get to that place where you're bored with the Christian life and you've got that attitude of been there, done that, that's a dangerous place to be when you don't feel like there's more of God. 
Some of the indications that you're there is maybe that you walk out of this room and you criticize the pastor's message and say, well, I didn't get anything out of that today. That was all, that was all just stuff for the kids. No meat for me today. <laughs> or you start, you start recognizing the passages that the pastor's talking about. He's talking about the lost sheep. I know right where that's at. Been there, done that. Ooh, got anything else, pastor? I know what you're gonna say. God's lost kids. Yeah, he leaves us all for the one, I know. And you just, you just disconnect. That's a dangerous place to be because there's probably more to that story that you've never even heard before, but you check out because, well, I've been there, done that. Don't get there. That's spiritual stagnation. Instead, do what Isaiah says in 55, 6. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. All of us need to seek him. All of us need to try to find him. Lord, let me, let me see you. Call on him with all that we have and pursue him. How do we do that? Through prayer. There's lots of ways, but that's the main way. That's the personal way that you get to do it. Yeah, you get to be part of every prayer that this worship leader prays up here and the prayer that I'll pray, but your personal connection to him is through prayers. When you pray, it's when you talk to him. Jeremiah, another prophet, adds this small detail that I think is really important. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, the one condition, if you want to see God, if you want to see more of him, there's a key to this, and that you need to seek him with all your heart. And that key said simply is, go all in. You need to go all in. It's time. It's time to just jump in with both feet. And some of you are scared to do that because you think you're going to wind up in a hut in El Salvador somewhere, and you've seen the spiders. We've been there. We've got pictures of them. You're like, you know what I've got for you, God? It's a pocket full of nope. I'm not going. But let me tell you something. There's not a single thing that God would have you do that I promise you that your heart wouldn't be filled with joy to do. Because he knows you. He knows how you're built and how you're wired in the best place for you. He's not going to ask you to do something that you're absolutely going to hate. You might be scared to do it. But he's not going to ask you to do something you're going to hate. Some of you, so one of, the, one of the simple ways to go all in here on a Sunday morning is just to participate in worship. Do you know what worship is? It is when we express love to God. One of the ways that we do that is through this word called praise. I taught all about it at the last prayer night. That's why you all need to come to prayer because I do a brief teaching. I'm going to take you deeper in your walk with God. But he says one of the ways that you can express love to him is through this word called praise. And that's what we do on Sunday mornings in here. The, 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 pray, the word praise is translated eight different ways in the Bible. And all of them equal to this physical expression of, of praise to him. It's a physical expression. It's clapping hands. It's getting excited. It's shouting with a loud voice. It's singing a song. It's playing instruments. It's bowing. It's lifting your hands. I mean, like, some of you think that, that we encourage you to raise your hands because that's just what we do. No, it's Scripture. It's scripture that we do that. We love God the way he wants to be loved. It's his love language. That's just one of the ways you can go all in. Some of you come in and we encourage you to lay, raise your hands and you won't do it. You'll stand here like this, but your toe, your toe's got the victory, right? It's just sitting there tapping like this. You just need to let it go and just, just lift your hands and worship. I promise you, I'm not, I don't want something bad for you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just want you to be free. I want you to be free to experience what it's like to love God in the way that he asks for us to love him. God has good things for you. That, that, that's just good things for you. Some of you are here, and, and specifically about worship, you, you just won't sing. 
You won't sing, you're going to sit there and cross your arms. Or if you sing, you won't sing loudly. Or, if, or, or you know, if, if you're singing, you won't raise your hands. But I'm just telling you, just, just get free. Get free. You say, well, Aaron, I, you don't understand. I don't have a good voice. Neither do I. That's why I sit on the front row, and I sit right next to the drummer, and I'm glad that dude's got earphones in, because he can't hear me sing. When I sit in the back with you all, I, I, I don't, I'm, here's my heart, Lord. I'm all quiet. I can't sing. The Bible says make a joyful noise. He didn't say make a pretty noise. I'm going to set some of y'all free. You're welcome for that. Oh, a joyful noise. Here's my heart, Some of y'all are just going to break free. That's going to be amazing. That's when we look over at the sound guy. Hey, turn it up a little bit. Just a little bit, right? The, you know. Come on, somebody. We just need to be free in Jesus. Amen. This is your opportunity. It's your opportunity. I had one young lady tell me, she said, Aaron, the first time that I lifted my hands, I was so nervous, but I felt so free after it. And I remember that day. I remember watching her do that. I was so proud of her. You say, this is, this is your agenda, Aaron. It's not. It's scriptural. I can show it to you. I, I can show it to you. You're not going to go to hell if you don't lift your hands and if you don't sing on Sunday morning. But I'm telling you, you can go all in. This is one of the ways to go all in, to experience all that God has for you. There's more. So if you want to encounter God, you need to go all in. The second thing Isaiah would encourage us is that God wants to change you. He loves you to accept you just the way that you are, but he loves you enough to not leave you that way. Do y'all hear that? It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. I love it. My, my buddy Bruce says it that way at his church. It's okay to, to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. God wants to change you. He wants to do a work in your life. He doesn't want to leave you the same, and so we have to stay pliable. The Bible talks about us like we're clay. We need to stay pliable. We need to stay humble, and we need to seek him in prayer and ask him, Lord, work on us. Would you just work on me? Come to prayer tonight. I'll give you an opportunity. We talk about it in a section of prayer called confession, where we just say, hey, God, I know I've done some sinful things, but if there's anything in me that you want to do a work on, why don't, you, why don't you do it? You know, the last, last time we did this last month, I was sitting right over there, and I asked God that question, and he said, you're distracted. I said, I am. And I looked across my life, and I've begun in the last month to remove distractions from my lives. I've removed some television shows. I've removed some stuff. And guess what? My heart and my mind is more at peace as a result. Look, God's not trying to do bad things to you. He wants you to have his grace, his peace, his love. He's got so much for you. But not if you're not willing to ask him the question. Not if you're not willing to be obedient whenever he responds and says, this is what you need to do. We have to keep, continue to come to him. Why pray that prayer? Because he's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. Real well loud, Misty. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, because he's still working on me. That's for all my Sunday school people, if you like that. Yo, yeah, thanks. I'll take it. Wow. <laughs> he's still working on me. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. It's for all of us. God's still working on us. The Bible says, he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it in you if you'll allow him because God's a gentleman. It's always an invitation. 
Isaiah says this in 18, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, that shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson. This is all transition. You see this? This is all, all a shift. He's working. They shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, this is the only role you and I have, is to be willing and say, God, what is it I need to do? What area of my life do you want to work on? And then obedient. When he speaks to your heart and says, this is what it is, you respond. Because on the other side of that is, the, is a fruit of peace, is a fruit of joy, is God's blessing. Continues, he says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. Basically, God says, if you obey me, I'll give you Chipotle every day. That's what I'm talking about right there. Hmm. That's our only role. Seeking God's heart for us. What does he want to do in us? That's the question we ask. Peter said it this way. He said, uh, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. Why do babies want milk? Do babies got a long day ahead of them and doing difficult things? No. A baby does not come out of the womb and then go go to high school the next day. A baby spends time eating, sleeping, and pooping. That's what a baby does. And he wants the milk so that he can grow. And Peter says, like a baby, you need to crave it. You need to crave spiritual milk so that you can, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation, which none of us are at, by the way. We're growing towards it. Cry out for this nourishment. In other words, asking God for it. Seek him for it. Now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness, we are to crave change like a baby and then take every step, every little step as it goes, just like a baby does. Step by step, we'll get there. We'll grow, just like a baby. So the key for this, for this encouragement is to take the next step. What's your next step? Well, I don't know. For some of you, you're here, and we would identify you, and you would identify yourself as lost. You're like, I'm far from God. Your next step is to say yes to the lordship of Jesus in your life. Begin a relationship with God. Start that spiritual journey in that race. Others of you, you say, well, I've said yes to Jesus already. Great. You know what the next thing Jesus asks you to do other than say yes and invite him into your life, receive his grace and forgiveness, is to get baptized. We do baptisms every second Sunday here. We can talk to you more about it. Get baptized. That, that's a step of obedience. You say, well, I don't understand it. It's weird. I don't, I don't, I've never done it before. Not, we don't need to deal with any of that. Jesus said do it. We're going to do it. All right? That's where we're at. That's what lordship means. He's in charge. All right? I don't mean to be so frank about it, but that's, that's what, just what it means. He's the boss. So we say, yes, we do it. Others of you say, well, I'm baptized. What's my next step? Get in a group. Now, you don't have to be baptized to get into a group, but get into a group. Find yourself a small group and be a part of it. Others of you, you've been hanging out here in the wild, and you're like, what's my next step? Get on a team. We've got a dream team here of people that serve other people. Get on a team. If you want to find out more about any of those steps I just talked about, you can learn more about them in Growth Track. We do, do Growth Track every Sunday. Now, let me just say something here and be, be a pastor real quick. I'm trying to stay on time here. But we've been doing this since November, and there's quite a few of you that have been here since this church started, and you're looking at that growth track thing and going, eh, that's not for me. Everybody say this with me. Say it back to me. It's for me. Now look at your neighbor and tell them, it's for you. Growth track is for you. You say, Aaron, but I know the content of growth track, and I, you know, I'm, I'm already baptized. I already know Jesus. I'm already a partner of this church, and I'm already on a dream team. I don't need to go to growth track. You know what? 
Maybe you're right that you don't need the content of GrowTrack, but somebody in GrowTrack needs you. See, those people are beginning a spiritual journey. They're going to go in there for four weeks. They're going to get to learn their spiritual journey, and they need you to sit next to them, to encourage them, to run alongside them because you're a giant in the faith yourself. They need to know who you are. You can be part of our vision that says reaching people far from God. You want to reach? Go to Growth Track. Get it done. Meet some people. Invest in them and love them. Help them on their spiritual journey. Just me being a pastor for a second. All right, I'm done with that. Step one starts next Sunday. <clears throat> Just saying is all. Help them as they take their next step. Reach out to them. Don't get stuck in your journey. Keep on moving. Take your next step. Why? And this is the last encouragement from Isaiah, and I'll have the band come back. Because God has an assignment for you. Every single one of you, this is why God's taking you through this process. This is why he wants to lead you through this. Because he has an assignment for you. He has a job for you to do. God has a plan, and I'm going to be honest with you. God's plan is going to play out with or without you, but it's always better with you. So be a part of it. He's got something that he wants you to do. You are uniquely created and wired and designed to do something. And he wants to introduce you to that and let you be a part of that. He can't turn your mess into a message unless you're willing to share that message. It's not a message, is it? You've got to be willing to show it, to share it. Isaiah would say it like this. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. You know why you're miserable? You know why you feel lost in your journey? Stale in your relationship with the Lord? Because you need to arise. You need to let the light that God has given you shine. This is your opportunity to do that. The Bible talks about your light shining so that others will see it. And when others see it, they'll be drawn into a relationship with God. This is God's purpose for you and his plan for you. There's no plan B. You're it. You're plan A. And he wants to use you to make a difference in other people's lives. I've never met a single person that was miserable because they were making a difference in other people's lives. They're always happy. They're always full and fulfilled because they're walking with Jesus and Jesus is using them to be a light in people's lives. Isaiah is saying, arise, simple church. Live your life in a way that glorifies God. Why do that? He continues and says, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Not mine, not Pastor Aaron, yours. Your light. This is what God created you to do. The world is supposed to see your light through your life and turn to God. The last verse I'm gonna share with you and I'm praying close is Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. God, that's beautiful, somebody. You are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us a long, for us long ago. 
this has been God's plan since the foundation of the earth. To see you lost in despair, broken and hurting. To love you and save you, redeem you and send you. So that you can make a difference in other people's lives and draw them into relationship with God. The key to this one, discover your purpose. You can do that in growth track. I promise you, once you know your purpose, your life will never be the same. You live out this purpose, God's purpose and plan for you, you'll never be the same. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for Isaiah's sight. I thank you for the words of encouragement that he offers to us today. I pray, God, for those that are in pain right now, those that have run from you, that they would turn and run to you today. Lord, help us to see ourselves clearly. Touch the deepest parts of our lives and let us accept that our our past has been settled today. Reveal your plan for redemption in us and to us. Help us go all in today, God. There are those of you today that are here. To go all in means you need to begin a relationship with God. You're still at the, at the start of this race. Or maybe you're ready to start, and you're not sure what it's all going to look like, but, but you're at least ready to get going. We call that a leap of faith. I'm ready. And if you're here today, then you would like to begin your spiritual journey. Start running this race because God loves you and has so much for you. It's very easy to do. It begins with a prayer. It begins with accepting the the sacrifice that Jesus made. That was his life that he laid down on the cross. He was the only one who could do it. He lived a perfect, sinless life and died so that you and I didn't have to for our sins. I mean, you're welcome to pay for your sins by spending eternity in separation from God in hell, but you don't have to. God's inviting you today to experience his love, experience his joy and his peace, to have heaven on the other side of eternity in this life, but to have a full and fulfilled life now. If you're ready to be on that spiritual journey, I'm going to pray a prayer. and I just want to know, if you're here today and you're going to do that, would you just kind of let's shoot your hand up and say, hey, that's me. Say, that's me. you're making that decision by Facebook Live, would you just click on send message? Would you just send us a message to let us know so that we can be praying for you and help you on your journey from afar? If you're going to pray that prayer, pray these words with me today. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I give you my life today. And I ask that you give me yours. Show me how to live for you, and I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.